But the truth of the matter is, is that these assistants are being baked into all sorts of different devices that may have more than one purpose. For Monday, March 2nd, 2020, this is episode 64, Jason Fields, combining voice and visuals, multimodal. Jason and I discussed the meaning of multimodal design for voice assistants and why it matters. We covered examples of brands with good multimodal experiences, such as Alexa Skills, and went in-depth on a travel example on what a great multimodal experience would look like, from packing to getting through airport security to finding your gate as you interact with a voice assistant from different devices with varying screen sizes. Overall, the question becomes, how do we connect and organize a variety of communicable assets in a way that meets basic and reasonable audience expectations? Jason and Voice of I have created a free downloadable guide about modality for brands, and we share a link for you to grab that guide during the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the Beetle Moment Marketing Podcast, an exploration of marketing and business with a focus on emerging technology and voice. I'm your host, Emily Binder, and I make this for you. It's time to crawl in. This is Emily Binder. I am here with my very special guest, Jason Fields, the Chief Strategy Officer at Voiceify which is a voice application creation, management, and deployment software. And we say voice application, we mean Alexa skills, Google Actions, Bixby capsules, et cetera. You can think of Voiceify as a voice CMS, which is a content management system. And Jason and I have known each other for a couple years through the whole voice first community. And he just does some really cool stuff over at Voiceify. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to talk with you about multimodal voice experiences, and you have done quite a bit of research and work on this. So why don't you just kick us off explaining what is multimodal and why is it important? Absolutely. So it's interesting. The concept of multimodality is something that we all use in our day-to-day lives, but we use it in an interpersonal way. So when we're having conversations with friends and colleagues, and we're out in the world um, talking and meeting with other people, we're obviously using our voice to communicate things, but we're also using things like facial expressions and hand gestures and body language and tonality um, and various expressions to infer intention and meaning with what we're trying to communicate to them. And so multimodality or modality can be thought of as a way of communicating where like a, a hand gesture is one way and facial expression is another. And obviously what you're saying, the words you're using with your voice uh, are yet another level of modality. When you combine all of them, it creates the idea or the concept of, of multimodality. And uh, again, very natural, very second nature uh, to humans as we have interpersonal conversations, but um, a concept that is, uh, I think, rising and on trend with the, uh, the voice first community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Something, something you and I were talking about offline was smart speakers. And of course, the fastest growing consumer technology of all time. But you pointed out something that I thought was important to consider, which is, is a smart speaker a voice assistant or is the voice assistant more? So when we talk about 50% penetration in the US, what what do you think about the idea of focusing so much on smart speakers or, or should we be looking really at a wider array of devices and some of them have screens? 
I mean, I, th I think that smart speakers and smart displays, I think eventually, at least when people use the term smart speaker, I, I sort of lump both of those together. And the reason being is this, a smart speaker and or a smart display without a voice assistant layer technology baked into it becomes a paperweight, right? You can't do anything else with it unless you're engaging with the voice assistant. And I think that's why so many people in our community are fixated on the smart speaker and smart display as a metric of success of the channel, because you don't buy them unless you plan on using the assistant. And so there is a direct one-to-one -one relationship between purchase adoption and usage to some degree. But the truth of the matter is, is that these assistants are being baked into all sorts of different devices that may have more than one purpose. They're on televisions where even if you don't uh, use the assistant, uh, you don't press the Amazon Alexa button on your remote, you can still use the TV for other purposes, right? We're going to watch TV on it or movies, etc. And even though Cortana may be baked into Xbox, people may not ever use it. Um, but the same is true with our mobile devices as well, right? I look at even my own community of family, and there are many people that obviously know what I do for a living, and they use Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa, but they don't have the smart speaker or the smart device purchased and sitting on their um, their counter at home, but they still use it on their mobile device. So I think that the, the penetration of the assistants themselves and the way people are using them is a lot wider and a lot more... Um, probably a higher level of adoption than if we just look at the speaker and display. Right, right. With the mobile phone, I mean, that's such an obvious baked in use case where no one has to buy new hardware. It's already there, especially Google Assistant, Siri, um, and even Alexa. I've, I've heard from people who, when they're traveling, and these are people that love flash briefing, they'll say, well, I can just listen to it on my phone. I use the Amazon shopping app or the Alexa app. So you don't need the smart speaker. And, and that whole term smart speaker, it already sounds almost, it's like a VCR. <laughs> Not quite, but to me. Um, so with multimodality, are there any brands that are doing a great job or, I mean, examples of kind of how this experience would play out with somebody who has a smart speaker, uh, a smart display, you know, a visual component? Yeah, I think that there's, I think the idea of multimodality is, quickly becoming, um, gaining awareness within, uh, the community of people that are executing in this. So there is some, there's some, there's a limited number of sort of successful, uh, things you can point to out there. I think Johnny Walker with their tasting, um, skill did a, did a nice job. Now I don't, they haven't really updated it in the past year, but they did a pretty good job of making sure that the visual imagery, that level of modality, uh, the voiceover, some of the audio components, were um, all mapped in to elicit not just the communication of information, but also an emotive uh, response as well. Um, I think Saucony, who just released their V1 of their uh, running app, uh, Skill and Google Action, is doing a nice job of integrating some thinking behind uh, the audio responses, as well as some of the visual components and, and different modalities that can be used there and choosing emotive images versus instructive images in very specific parts of the conversation. And that's really what the sensitivity to multimodality is supposed to be. It's there's, there's a level of thinking that can go into uh, what the right uh, kind of information is to present at different parts of the conversation. And, um, you know, my hypothesis is that 
whether it is artificial intelligence, machine learning, or human know-how that goes into making those choices, those choices need to be made. Oh, absolutely. You you just said emotive versus instructive imagery. What does that mean? Yeah, so there, especially with screen-based devices, you have the ability to use modality. I guess, let me back up. Modality isn't meant to um, translate into like medium. So an image is a kind of modality, but what is inside of that image is really the crux of it, right? So when you're having a uh, sort of dispassionate conversation about a product using images of people with that product out in the world running through fields isn't the best it isn't the best modality to use, right? That sort of um, environmental imagery. Uh, better is probably uh, a image that is using like a, a mapping of the product a feature set, um, calling out specific parts of the product to make it more appealing at an intellectual level to the person having the conversation with you, right? It's it's the difference. It's the and this is fairly common sense, and everyone's going to roll their eyes and say, "Of course," but you'd be surprised how often it doesn't happen. Which is, you know, you get into conversations with brands or with skills and actions where something as simple as like, "Well, all right, well, how do I get to your store?" They're not displaying a map, right? They talk about, uh, they try to move you over to uh, uh, describing how to get there, or you're point two miles away, or they give you the address when simply putting a map on the screen would be informative um, mm-hmm. or tossing you over to Google maps or, or Apple maps would be more informative. Right. But people aren't, unfortunately that level of um, thought and strategy sometimes doesn't make it to the end product. Right. Well, this is uh, all the kind of information that is in this new guide that you've put together, which is called leveraging modality and You sent this to me uh, a week ago, and I just thought, wow, this is really helpful. Every brand that's creating a voice experience really needs to consider modality and how is this going to play out on different devices? Is this going to be more audio or visual? And um, everybody who's listening, you can download this guide completely free. It's called Leveraging Modality at beetlemoment.com slash modality. Um, Thank you to Voiceify for putting this together. And, And Jason, that's you. But uh, there was one part of it that I wanted to kind of dig in. It's called putting it in context. And so you gave this example of a woman's getting ready for a flight and she has touch points with the airline over the next few hours. And she might use one assistant, but engage through multiple devices. So an utterance would be assistant. What's the status of my flight? But how would that play out differently? And how, how would that airline need to design and think of okay, she's on a smart enabled TV versus an auto assistant or the smartwatch. Yeah. So this, uh, you know, this came out of my own personal experiences because I, I'm on a plane quite a bit of my life. And so this is one of the use cases that I, I personally deal with, uh, often. And I guess it's sort of my thinking through what an ideal situation and use of modality would be, be in sort of a suboptimal experience I've had thus far. Um, not throwing shade at any of the airlines that I fly with. It's just, you know, they, it takes time to build these sorts of things. So if you look at, if you look through the situation of getting ready to travel, you're typically organizing your things, you're packing, you're, you're showering, you're getting ready at home. Um, you may be calling a, a car service, an Uber, uh, Lyft, et cetera. And you're, you don't want to arrive at the airport too early. So you're always sort of inquisitive, like, is my flight on time? What not? Well, if I say I've got the news on and I hit that Amazon Alexa button on my remote and I say, you know, Alexa, 
you know, ask the airline if my flight's on time, they have a, they have a tremendous amount of real estate to deal with in order to inform in that part of the conversation. So their, the response simply could be, yes, Jason, your flight's on time, but they have so much more that they can do there, right? They can use the home address that I have stored in my Amazon Alexa account to tell me what the estimate is for uh, the travel time to the airport um, so that I can, in my own head, figure out if I'm if I need to leave sooner or later or whatnot. They can throw up a map of the terminal and show me where my gate is. Um, they can check traffic conditions. Um, they can uh, give me call out the, the gate uh, on the map that I should be going to or give me hints on the status of TSA um, security and whatnot, right? There's a boatload of things that they can do to own that experience, to create, to reduce friction in my experience, which isn't necessarily owned by them. They don't control TSA. They don't control traffic, but they have the ability to get information to make it an easier process for me. Now, let's say I'm, I, I move away from that. I'm, I'm leaving the house. I'm now in my car. Um, I'm driving to the airport in this particular scenario, and I've got my phone plugged in or I'm using Alexa for car or whatnot. And I ask the assistant again, sir, just checking in, you know, how's my flight? Well, now they know because one of the things that happens with these third-party apps that we're all creating is that we actually can, and through Voiceify, we can suss out the device that is being used to request it, right? So we know that if they're asking it on a TV, we have the ability to use a lot of different modalities. Whereas if they're in their car, we want to be short and succinct. We certainly don't want to show them a video. Um, We want the response to be very to the point to get the person the information they need. Versus now I'm in the airport and I am walking through my, my, you know, my right hand is dragging my luggage. I've got my watch on my left hand. So I simply raise my watch and, you know, ask Alexa or Google assistant again, what's the status of my flight? Well, now they, now they can use that in the device information to possibly suss out. All right. Well, he's asked this twice before. Now he's using, now he's using the watch. He's probably closer to the airport now than he has been in the previous two parts of the conversation. So now you can choose to not just deliver the answer of your flight's on time, or your flight's 10 minutes later, your flight's boarding now, but you can also give some of that secondary information, right? That your gates changed to B72 or whatever the case may be. So sniffing out what is appropriate and then mapping the intention of the brand to be useful to the end user and choosing the modalities that are, that are best associated with that is a really important step and possibility that brands can use in the market today. And that's really where the onus of this piece came from is that our customers were saying, how do we, how should we think through this? And as we help them think through this, this framework emerged with mapping the intention of the kind of modality or type of communication that you can use through these devices becomes a critical decision point. And the, the silver lining to all of this is that brands have been assembling digital assets now for the better part of 20 years. And, so there should be some pretty vast libraries of things to choose from. And so I think there's an opportunity for brands even to assign a framework like this with the intention, whether intellectual or emotional or whatnot, against a library of existing assets. So it becomes really easy for the day-to-day doers and managers of a voice experience to make these decisions without having to hunt and peck through libraries and libraries of assets. And that's a good point about the existing assets, especially if brands have done their homework and they've really assembled their attributes and they have personas and 
um, the kind of work that you do, especially like when you're setting up sonic branding, if you haven't done that yet, you know, go through that process now and everything that comes out of it ultimately would help inform all these multimodal experiences. And you yeah. mentioned, I think the key here, just if you step back and not just for voice and, and VUI design, but just from a branding and marketing perspective, the key is to be helpful at a touch point in the given context. And in thinking about airlines, this is kind of interesting. I, I was at an event for Delta the other day and they're doing research in Austin because they want to develop the market. Um, and they were asking just a handful of people that they invited to an event questions about what we look for in an airline. And I found this out. I didn't realize this, but Delta actually pays for better equipment for TSA to get people through the lines faster. They are, you know, they've invested in clear because sure, there's a little bit of revenue to be had. They don't care. It's a drop in the bucket. The key is it's making a better customer experience at the airport. You have happier customers in a better mood when they finally do get to the gate, which is the Delta gate. So I think it's kind of, it goes hand in hand with the multiple. There is, yeah, your, your example there, I think the extension of that logic that you just shared, realizing that brands have a tool at their disposal in every person's pocket that can be talked with. And so just like Delta wants to leverage the, you know, wants to leverage the capability of the clear security model. They, they also should be, and any brand should be thinking, how can we leverage the existence of these voice assistants in everyone's pockets to make our brand invaluable and unmovable in a person's daily experience? Um, very similar to, but I think to a greater extent than what native mobile apps and that sort of sentiment that brands had to work through with those, the voice assistants I think are going to be a more meaningful impact on that customer experience overall. I agree because it's less friction and it's, I guess you could liken it to just the index of all the information, which is I'm asking the assistant, much like I would do a search versus going to a website to find, I don't need to figure out what URL to type in, what app to right. call up. I'm just asking the index, the assistant. So right. being available by that assistant, you know, you want your brand there and to be helpful. Um, and, and using multimodal design to accomplish that is a good idea. Again, if you want to get this fantastic guide that Jason has put together, it's at beetlemoment.com slash modality. And there's just a bunch of really great information in here. Um, I think it's, it's helpful from a branding and marketing perspective in general, but especially for multimodal design, uh, there's so many things to consider. Like there, there are more opportunities and that means you need to be more thoughtful about it. It's also exciting. Agreed. Yeah. So, Jason, I wanted to ask you a, a little bit more of a fun question I like to ask everybody on the show. Is there a podcast that you've heard recently that you would recommend? Yeah, I have, um, on the past few flights I've been on, have been terrible at getting work done because I have been listening to Armchair Expert, which is a podcast with uh, Dak Shepard. Um, he's been doing some really fun interviews. The most recent one that I listened to was he was interviewing an FBI negotiator who also did a class on masterclass.com, which is a super cool content channel if you're interested in learning from experts. Um, yeah, so Armchair Experts has been my, my guilty pleasure podcast for the past couple of weeks. 
armchair expert. Well, we'll have that in the show notes at beetlemoment.com slash podcast. And you can find links to everything else that we've discussed here, as well as any stats that we've cited. And uh, that's beetlemoment.com slash podcast. The PDF is at beetlemoment.com slash modality. And Jason, let people know where they can connect with you and Voiceify. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty, pretty simple. Voiceify.com will get you to the website. Uh, a lot of great industry use cases uh, and examples there for, for everybody to look at. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at, at Voiceify, um, which is also pretty straightforward. So yeah, reach out to us. Let us know how we can help you. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. It's been great talking with you about modality. You too. Thanks a lot, Emily. When it comes to podcasts and voice platforms like Alexa and Google Assistant, are you confident that your marketing strategy is setting you up for success? I've helped dozens of clients in North America and Europe with voice marketing, and I offer private strategy consultations resulting in a customized action plan. Visit emilybender.com slash call to book your consultation in just a few clicks. That's emilybender.com slash call. Yeah!